0: Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. amen you can be opening your word or your device to genesis chapter 2 today that's where we're going to be looking and uh i just want to tell you man if you if you miss out on the opportunity to worship your great god when we sing you you really need to move beyond that you really just got to check that stuff off and say listen forget about it i'm going to go before god and if i don't like the style of the song i don't care because god doesn't care If I don't know the words to the song, I don't care. They're up on the board. You can read them. You need to get to a place where you read them in your heart. Because I, I listen to these songs... I listen to the words of these songs. We check the theology of these songs. You can just read those words and it should warm your heart of the greatness of who God is. And so last week in chapter one of Genesis, we found an introduction to God and and, and an origin of everything but God, because God has no origin. He is before origin. He is eternal past and he will be eternal future. And and we talked about last week, the greatness of God, it points to uh, who God is and and what God's intentions are are in creating everything. And if I had to wrap up, nutshell, caption everything in Genesis 1, it is this phrase, big God, little me. Look at your neighbor and say, big God, little me. And I just want to emphasize the fact of how small you are. Compared to God, you are nothingness. And I know that don't sound too happy, but I'm telling you, if we, only when you get to the place that you understand how significant you are in the grand scheme of things and how great God is, only then can you be in a proper posture to experience what life is supposed to be about. And so last week in chapter one, we learned the omnipresence of God, omnipresence. That means he, he extends beyond time. He's not confined to the parameters of time. He's outside the Time continuing. He he looks at everything eternally past, everything eternally future, and this very fraction of a second in time, and he sees it simultaneously. There are no surprises for our God. He knows it all in advance, okay? So know that about God, his omnipresence, also his omniscience, the word science in there, his knowledge. His knowledge extends uh, beyond everything. There are no surprises in his creative work. We talked about the greatness of him having to know everything for it to work together and function. His omnipotence, potent, the power of God. He is an all-powerful, all-consuming God. We talked about his omnidirectionalness, that God reaches up and down and around. He is everywhere all the time. He is God, and there is no other. He is Yahweh. Now, we talked about the, the chapter one is really could be called a, um, a, a theological chapter or a theocentric chapter, that being a God it is God focused. In one chapter, Genesis 1, 31 verses, 43 times, God is referred to either by his name, Yahweh or Elohim, or a personal pronoun. Chapter one's all about God. And so we titled last week's message, it starts right here. Now, if I had to pick a verse that I'm most amused by and I enjoy the most, it's verse 16, because we just sang about the billions of stars. There's billions of galaxies with billions of stars in each one. And In God's creative uh, uh, timeline, he says, oh, and he made the stars also. I just think that's so cool. All the stars that we're amazed by, all the galaxies that are out there, God simply says, Yeah, I made those too. I just think that's cool. Okay, And that points to the greatness of our God, so we need to be mindful of that. So just like chapter one has a focus, chapter two has a focus. Now, if you've ever read, begin, if you've ever began to read the Bible, and you start a lot of times in Genesis, which is a good place to start. It's the beginning. And, and so you read chapter one, you say, well, that was pretty cool. Didn't understand at all. I don't know how it works with evolution, all that stuff that I've learned in my science book, which is always changing, but it's okay, it's cool. And then you get to chapter two, and it kind of looks like chapter one. It's kind of like, why are we getting this again? Okay, it's not like chapter one. Chapter one is the creation of everything. And there is a a caption in there about humanity, about him creating you and me, okay? Chapter two develops you and me. It would be called the anthropological view of creation. This is the me and you of creation. This is the depth of who we are. Chapter two gives us a purpose and an understanding. Now, here's what's cool about it. I had this message came to me in studying, and I had four points. And I told Kendra I was all excited. I said, four points are so good. I I knew they were in there, but I never saw them like this. There's four keys like legs of a table that if you get these four right, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, old man, young man, old woman, young woman does not matter where you come from, how educated or uneducated, how good looking, ugly you are, how fat or how skinny, doesn't matter to all of us, four legs that will hold you up and help you understand what it is that God wants in your life and how you can accomplish that. Now, of all the things we do, our number one goal should be to please God. And he tells us in chapter 2 how you and I can do that. And it's really quite amazing. Now, I call this chapter or this message making it count. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to make it count. I got some sad news and good news. The good good news is I'm not going to cover all four points because if we did, we'd be here all day. The sad news is I can't finish them all, and I'll probably finish one point. But next week, we'll get the others, okay? That'll make you come back, okay? And so that's where we begin. We have to make it count. Now, number one on the back of your worship guide is simply this. Look like your maker, that's the first leg of this table. The first part of this foundation is you are made, you are created to look like your maker. Now, you say, well, I guess that was my mom and my dad, okay? Kind of. That's procreation, and God gave us that gift. You are supposed, you bear the image of God in your life, and you should live your life looking like the God who created you. Now that's what we're gonna see just today. Okay? We're gonna unpack this and see what that means. Now, to begin, I want to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm gonna read that verse and then we'll move forward. Here's what it says in verse 7 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being or a soul. Okay? And it's cool. Now listen what happens. There's something key right here. It says the Lord God formed man. Now in the, in Genesis chapter 1 the Hebrew word is bara. It, it is he made. Now in chapter 2 he develops that a little bit further and he says he didn't just make it. He formed it. Now this is cool. The word is jitzer. Am I saying that right? No. What is the word? The word is yeah, jitzer. I said that right. Okay? Jitzer is the word. And here's what that means. He formed it. Have you ever seen a potter uh, at a pottery shop making a vessel out of clay it's so cool they sit down and, and they they spin the wheel used to they'd spin it with their foot like this and they'd take a big wad of clay they'd set it on there they'd stick their hands in the water and they begin to do this thing man you know when they're spinning this thing next thing you know you got a vase a handle on it, and a spout you're like no you just didn't do that right there in about five minutes okay it looks easy right yeah try that at home it will not look like the pot you see at the pottery shop. I'm just telling you. I'll give you an example, okay? When 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 we I was little, I have three brothers, and when I was in the kindergarten, uh, my older brother was in first grade, and they had a craft. Now, my older brother did good at everything he ever did. He really did. His name's Jeff. He's awesome. I love him. But he did really good at everything he ever did except crafty stuff. And this teacher, I don't know what she was thinking for letting him send this home, because you know, parents, you had to fake it when they show up with that junk. Oh, I love it! I'm gonna hang it on the refrigerator out in the garage. Okay, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. Listen, what this teacher had him made: earrings and a pendant out of clay. His looked like biscuits from Hardee's, and they had clip-on things on the back. I'm telling you the truth. My brother's 56 years old. I'll give you his number. You call him and say, what's the story on the earrings? His feelings have been hurt for about 50 years because my mother would not wear those cotton-picking earrings. And you know why? Because they weighed about eight pounds apiece. Her ears would have fallen off her head, and she never wore them. Hurt his feelings. It came up all the time. You never wore It came up like in high school. You never wore my earrings. Finally, I told him, you wear those stinking earrings. You think they're so good. All right? Now, listen, here's the deal. It ain't like that with God. God took dust. What he created, the elements of existence, and he picked it up, scooped it up, and worked it around and formed it, and formed it, and formed it. I want you to know, I want you to know, God created you, formed you with a purpose and a plan and a specific intentional design to accomplish his will and his way on this planet, you are supposed to possess and supposed to radiate the image of God. The word theologically is imago dei. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't got much imago dei. (laughs) So here's what we do. We cash in the image of God, the Imago Dei, and we exchange it for something much cooler called the Imago Me, the image of me. We want to create, redefine what it means for us to be have an image and an identity. Now I want to tell you something. The Bible says He formed out of the dust, out of the dirt that He created the elements. The elements that if you go to uh, college or in high school and in college, you see this thing called the periodic table, right? It's just valuable stuff, right? Okay, it is according to your science teacher. To the rest of the world, maybe not so much, okay? But on that, there's components on there. Now listen to this. I want you to know how cool you're made, how, how amazing that God would take dust, dirt, stuff he made, and make you. Mayo's Clinic has determined the simple composition of a human, here it is. You ready? 58 pounds of oxygen, approximately. Approximately 50 quarts of water. Two ounces of salt. Three pounds of calcium. 24 pounds of carbon. Trace elements include chlorine, phosphorus, fat, iron, sulfur, and, gl- and glycerin. I'm going to tell you, I got a little bit more fat than trace elements. Okay? But that's the composition of what it takes to make a man or a woman. Okay? Isn't like that cool? You, you learn something right there. So here's what I'm going to do. Men, I mean, excuse me, women, I know sometimes you ain't real happy with your man, okay? He let you down. He's a loser sometimes, you know. That's not biblical, but that's what you feel sometimes. Go on down to the element shop. Pick you up a sack full of goodies. I just gave you the list. I hope you wrote them down. Buy those things. Go home. Get out your Aid or your blender or whatever. Stir it up and make you a man just like you want him. If you want him to have a little bit more oxygen, put a little bit more in there. If he needs a little bit more iron, maybe he's a little weak, You need to toughen him up, put a little more iron in there. Make him just like you want him. Men, I know sometimes you're not happy with your woman. Go down to the element shop, get you a box full of goodies, stir it up and make you a woman just like you want. Now, you know that's foolishness, right? It doesn't work that way. That is, in fact, the composition of humanity. Dirt and dust and stuff. But there's more to it. You see, there's a God who took that dirt and dust and stuff and he did something spectacular. The Bible says he took it and he formed it and then he breathed life into it and he became a soul. He didn't get a soul, he became a soul. How did he become a soul because the breath in hebrew it's ruach elohim the breath of god (sighs) breathed into formless dust that he's working with and it made a man i mean that is incredible and and just how sophisticated is this thing that god has created out of this this elements out of dust well How complex is it? Here it is. I'm going to give you just a real easy one. I could give you a hundred, but I'm going to give you one easy one. You can take a portion of skin from your body. Some of you last summer didn't put the sunscreen on. You took a portion of skin. Okay. You can take a portion of skin the size of a postage stamp, which would be about the size of my thumb. Skin. I don't know if that's it. And in that, doctors tell us in that it has three million cells in a postage stamp of skin. Three feet of blood vessels, four yards of nerves, 15 oil glands, and 25 nerve endings. So when you take those elements and put them in your blender, tell me how you're going to do that. You're not. Because you cannot. And no one ever will be able to. Because God is God. And he's bigger and better than you can possibly imagine. And he formed every part of it with a specific intentionality that you are supposed to glow with the image of God. But something happens, you see. We, we kind of messed it all up. But I want you to know today that, that this is the beauty of, of what we have when we have a relationship with God. When, when we get to a place where we can have a faith in God, to, to believe in him and have faith in him and to express our hope and complete satisfaction in that kind of God, then and only then does life really happen. That's where life happens, When you get to a place where it's like you and God, it's like God, the creator of everything. It's like me and you. It's like God, because of what Jesus has done, you've made me right in Jesus, and you invited me in to have a relationship with you. And when you step into that place, life happens. And until that time, you're playing games at life, and you're missing out on what God designed as life. So I wrote this. I'm going to read it. So here's what we need to do. Church, your pastor, deacons, teachers, all of us, If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what we need to do. Practice and learn to celebrate the reality, oh man, of a God so infinite that you can't fathom and yet who makes himself small enough to enter the heart of something so finite as you so he can have relationship with you. A God so infinite you can't even fathom and yet he makes himself so small to enter the heart of something so finite. And that's you. And I'm telling you, if I'm sitting out there and I'm hearing a preacher say that, and he had not been mulling it all over, I'm doing this. You're right, brother Joel. I, agree. Man, that's good. So look at your neighbor and say, that's good. It's bad when a preacher has to tell you that. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is really good. That you, when you get that, okay, it's good, okay? Trust me, it's good. And God wants you to know that. God wants you to understand and wrap yourself around that. But see, there's a problem. The problem is we don't like the idea of a God bigger than us. We, we, we don't like a God, the idea of a God who wants to tell us what to do, wants to tell us what, how to act, wants us to tell us, hey, you're supposed to look like me. We don't, we don't like that. We don't like verses like Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 that say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and, 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 and your ways are not my ways says the Lord for as far as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts greater than yours who so wouldn't like that we don't like knowing that there's a God who knows that it's well beyond us and who cares who, abs- who actually cares he's not some watchmaker who wound everything up got it ticket and walked away He made it, designed it, and he's involved in it. And we don't like that. So God tells us that that we find our being in him, but there's a problem. You see, we we struggle with who it is we're supposed to be. Because what happens is when we don't want to subscribe to God's desire for our image, when God says, I want you to look like me, this is how I want you to live. And we don't like that, and we can't understand that. So what we do is we say, I I don't want the imago Day. I want the imago Me." And so we rewrite the script of identity and we re we reform it and say, well, this is who I need to look like. And this is who I need to be. And because of that, 2018, just like Ed said, it's the worst it's ever been. We have a major identity crisis in this world. And if you agree today that people have an identity crisis, say that's true. Most of you agree. The rest of y'all need to come out of your cave and look around, all right, because it's real. We have a major identity crisis. So I want to look back for just a second about our identity to learn something about it. In chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, let's just go back for just a little bit. This is what he says. Now, I'm going to emphasize some words because I want you to know how God created you, okay? He says the Lord God said, let us, that's the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, okay? He says, let us make man in our image Here's where you get it. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and dominion over the birds of the air and dominion over the cattle, dominion over all the other, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the living things that move on the earth. And so he tells us, here's your image. Look like your maker. And this is what he looks like. He says he will make you in the likeness of God. You're going to have dominion over everything else he created. It's going to be gender specific and you will be blessed. I want you to know that all of creation points to the greatness of God, but only mankind is designed to point to the image of God. You see, when we look at each other as born again believers, filled filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, We're supposed to convey the image of God. People should look at you and think, what is wrong with you? Why are you so stinking different from the rest of the world? And deep within your soul, you can say, that's the image of God you're talking about. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus has saved me. The Holy Spirit has sealed me. And the image of God should come out. And I'm going to be honest with you. We don't do this very well. We don't do this very well. We say we're Christian. We say we follow Jesus. We say we're a child of the Most High God. And yet our lives often look like everybody else's lives on the block, on the team, in our school, in the neighborhood, on our job. They look like everybody else's. I want you to know you're supposed to look like your maker. So, what is the image of God? What does it look like? You see, that's a big deal. And for years, it has kind of trapped theologians in this debate of what that really looks like. But they've kind of, they've kind of cornered it a little bit in terms of get, gaining an understanding. And here's what, here's what they are. They, they categorize it two ways. First of all, to have the image of God means you're like God. You look like your maker. It's called structural understanding. Okay? And this is what's included in that, the image of God. It is that you have attributes that are communicable. Okay, And they are the abilities... Uh, They are reason, profound memory, personality, free will, emotion, intellect, conviction, creativeness, love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and spirituality. God has those in his image, and he has bequeathed or passed on or designed or breathed those into you. You have those. The rest of the world, the rest of existence doesn't have that. Rocks don't have that. Your dog, I know you think he's next to Einstein, but he ain't got it, okay. Your cat, nobody thinks their cat's that smart, but you just love it because they seem faithful. They ain't got that, okay. Now they got a little bit of emotion. You kick it, they get a little mad, or you know what, they get hurt feeling. They don't have that. You, I don't kick the cat because <laughs> I don't even have a cat. Now, if you need somebody to kick the cat, I come kick your cat, okay? You, they don't have that. Nothing else has it. The flowers that bloom in the spring, the trees that fall in the fall, the, the stars of the sky, they don't have that. You have that, the imago Day. Because God took dust, breathed the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God into it, and made it a living soul. Number two, the category is called relational understanding. God has called us into a relationship with him. And in that, we gain an understanding of him and, and we conform to his image, or We should. Just like a mirror reflects what's in front of it, that's what we're called to do. Nothing else reflects the image of God. Now, I I think this is funny because when a mirror is broken, it no longer reflects a proper image, right? Or, Or when it's tilted, it doesn't reflect a proper image. And sometimes, quite honestly, you know what the mirror of your life looks like when you're reflecting God? Six flags. Now, you may not know what I'm talking about, when I was growing up, we'd go to Six Flags. Back in the day, there was a place, Opryland, dead. Okay, but back in the day, it was the, it was the stuff. You'd go to Opryland, you'd go to Six Flags, you'd walk through this little hallway, they'd have a mirror in there. And if you're kind of a, a short, fat guy, you like the mirror that when you stand in front of it, all of a sudden, buddy, you're a lean, fighting machine. I want to take this the rest of my life. I want the whole world to see me like this. But if you were that tall string bean looking dude, you could get in front of the one that's kind of curvy like this and it made you look all, remember this? Was I the only one did that? If you did that, so I did that. Thank you very much, I'm not alone, okay? That's what we do. We, God put us here, and often what we reflect is this little short, dumpy God, okay, or this big, strong, this long, skinny God, and the whole time God said, that's not what I created you for. I've placed in you. I've designed you. I've formed you. I've jitsered you. I've made you in my image, so live like it. So what we do is we want to rewrite the script. We want to say, well, I I, I don't think that's the life I want because I don't really like somebody telling me how I should live and how I should act and how I should look. I don't like that. I like to be my own person. And so we listen to everything else and all of a sudden, we develop this huge identity crisis. And how do we know that we're looking for someone to help us with our identity? How do we know that? You don't have to look very far. Matter of fact, you turn on the television Or read a sports magazine, you see that there's athletes who feel like they need to take performance enhancing drugs to be all that they can be. Their image, they have to move that to another image. They're not satisfied with what they get naturally. Okay. And so they've they got to have more muscles. High schoolers play football or some sport, and they say, i got to have this. So I'm going to inject stuff in my body. I'm going to take stuff into my body so that I can grow and be strong because my image is in my strongness. i got to look good. And girls, what do girls do? Girls watch these people on television who are dying from eating disorders called bulimia and anorexia. And they look and say, I, I need to be like that. So they start sticking their finger down the throat or they stop eating and, and all of that stuff. Why? Because their image is not based on the imago day. It's on the Imago Me or the Imago Television. Okay, what else is there? There's everything out there. You know, Nutrisystem, there's a good one for you. I wish I would have thought of that. Me and Marie Osmond, okay? I've lost 400 pounds, you know? Well, you need 200 more, okay? Yeah, I've lost 30 pounds, 60 pounds, you know? I wish I would have thought of that. You can't turn on the TV, That she ain't on there. They are making a boatload of money off you all that doing a nut- Nutrisystem. Now, I'm sure it works. But you know what? She gets on it. She's a fine lady, okay? And she makes, I'm going to take Nutrisystem. I send them $39 a week. I can look like Marie Osmond, women, okay? And I don't want to look like Donny Osmond. I don't even want to happen to him, okay? Nutrisystem, okay, you can watch, watch TV. It's on there. Where else do you get it at? Hair Club for Men. You've seen that advertisement? Yeah, I'm so glad I found Hair Club for Men. My new identity. I got to tell you this. I had a friend of mine when I was in Alabama, I built houses and he was my supplier. I knew him for seven years. I'd see him twice a week. He'd come, we'd work up a deal. He'd bring me materials. He didn't have, he didn't have a hair on his head, had a little band around here, ball headed. One day he shows up. No, no. I'm talking about a good looking head of hair. So I was like, uh, Hey bro, what's all, how'd that happen? I mean, it's acid, how does, what's, what's with that? He said, You ever seen the commercial? He's all excited, man, like he almost like he was born again. He's gonna witness for Hair Club for Men. He says, Yeah, you ever? Hair Club for Men, man. Yes, Yeah. He said, I did it. And man, that's what did it. And I'm not kidding with you. If you're bald headed and you want some hair, Hair Club for Men's is legit. His hair was great. My hair was terrible. His hair was great. He, one day he'd come in, part on side. Next day, it might be parted on the other side. Next day, swoop, straight back. It didn't matter. That hair would do whatever he wanted. It was cool hair. Okay, but he found his identity in hair. Where else? Here you go, implants, injections, lifts and tucks. If I lift this and tuck that and move this and blow this out, there's my imago me, okay? I will find my existence and my hope and my peace in living. No, it's so wrong. Your hope and your peace in living is finding who God wants you to be and reflecting his image in your life. Because all of our attempts to enhance our image, they just cover up the truth, the truth of the reality that we are a very broken people, and that happens in chapter three. It didn't take long for the first man and woman to mess it all up, and we're products of that. Now, I want you to see something, because this is timely. We need to know this. We need to hear this. You need to know the position of our church. You need to know the position, what I believe to be true of God's word. In chapter 1 when God and chapter 2 when God says he created man and he created him in his image he also uncovers this really profound truth that we as a church have struggled with for some reason and we shouldn't just like evolution we struggle with evolution and the truth is it doesn't align itself with scripture God said he created it I believe it's 6 literal days there's there's you can you can build your case on that if you want to believe otherwise fine But then there's another thing that God initially, right as he begins to inspire the Holy Spirit into the life of Moses, and it is is this, that God created this thing called gender specifics. He says, I created them male and female. So listen to me, church. God created men. God created women. Anything other than man or woman is a product of the fall. It's that simple. You say, well, what about somebody who's born and he's both male and female? A product of the fall, okay? The reason people die with cancer, it's not because God hates them, a product of the fall. The reason bad things happen to, quote, good people, product of the fall. We live in a broken world, okay? When it comes to sexual identity, it's a product of the fall. God created men and women. God created male, then he took a rib out of male and fashioned a female. We'll talk about that. Okay, but I want you we'll talk about that next week, but I want you to know that, that God is very clear all through the Bible about this thing. In Genesis one, he identifies male and female. So let's just call, call it what it is. Where do we stand? What's your pastor believe about this whole idea? Because we live in an identity crisis world. If that's true, say it is, you know, it is. And one of those is sexual identity. Girls want to be boys, boys want to be girls. Girls want to like girls, boys want to like boys. Girls want to this, but it's a mess. It's a mess. Where's God way out on this? Very clear. God made male and female. So let, let me identify a few things that God addresses in his word about sexuality and male and female. God takes an adamant stance against homosexuality. God is not pro-homosexual. He is not. God is not pro-polygamy, multiple wives. He is not. Oh, in the Old Testament, Solomon, God wasn't happy with that. That's man's deal. God didn't design that. Lust, God stands against it. Incest, God stands against it. Coveting after another man's wife, God stands against it. Bestiality, where man or woman wants a relationship with an animal. Trust me, CNN and Anderson Cooper, he'll have one of those on CNN for long. You know, it's just a matter of time. God addresses all of that. And he stands against it. And you say, well, I don't don't know, Brother Joel. I I got a family member, and uh, I think they were born that way. Well, let me just go ahead and clear that up. They don't have a DNA strand that makes them desire to be this or that or the other. No. And whether you have an anatomical deduction or an anatomical addition, it does not make you another gender. Whether you go down to the apothecary, the pharmacist, and you take some magic beans does not make you the other gender. You're created to be a gender, a male or female. You were. Okay? But brother Joe, I'm still not convinced. I I think they were born that way. I mean, I know a guy, he's a friend of mine, and man, he's kind of been girly his whole life. I'm just, that's that's words you hear. Well, I know this girl, and she's just been kind of boyish her whole life. She didn't want to play with bo- with dolls. She wanted to play with uh, with wagons, you know, or whatever. She wanted to play with guns. Okay, what whatever. Okay, I don't care. And listen, girls, <laughs> you're macho day. If you're a girl, you want to play with a wagon, so what? And if you're a guy, and you want to play with a doll, so what? Take it up between you and God. One day you'll probably have a baby. You better learn. You don't hurt to know a little bit how to play with a dog because you're going to have one. And if you have a girl, you get right down the floor and act like one, okay? So we get all messed up, and we want to put people in categories. So let me tell you what we believe. Listen, you say, I believe, Joel, that they are born that way. Listen to your pastor. You ready? I do too. You do? Oh, I'm set free right now. You believe that, that homosexuals are born that way? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You you believe that somebody who wants to have a gender change, they were born that way? Yes, I do. Some of y'all are so set back on your heels. I see it in your face. So let me clarify. I do believe they're born that way. I believe somebody who's a pedophile is born that way. I I believe somebody who is a murderer is born that way. I believe an opioid addict is born that way. I believe an alcoholic is born that way. I believe a liar is born that way and a glutton is born that way. I believe a gossip is born that way. I believe an adulterer is born that way. Whatever sin, proclivity, or preference you want to name and call it, they're born that way. Let me explain. I have no desire to take opioids. I've had a lot of problems, hip, back, surgeries, hernias, knees, all that stuff, and they give me that stuff, okay? Okay? I have no desire for it, okay? Well, I have no desire for alcohol. I have other things that I have a desire for, okay? Like eating too much. That's a problem for me. And other things. And you've got them too. Self righteous bunch, you've got them too, okay? But here's the deal we are all born that way. What way? Cursed under sin, headed to death. Because we walked away from the imago Day, and we decided we wanted imago me. And so what we do is we have this proclivity or preference, whatever your sin preference is, doesn't matter. We're born with it. But let me tell you what that does not mean. It does not mean we accept it as right. Because it is not right before God. It, means, it does not mean that we embrace it as God's intention or design because it is not. It does not mean that we call it acceptable because it is not. It does not mean we blame it on God because it is not God's fault. Here's what we do. We realize that we are sinful people, you're sinful people, maybe born again, I hope you are, I am too, but I'm still, I still sin, that's under the blood, mine's under the blood, if you're saved, yours is under the blood, but we still, we still have this brokenness, and it's a product of the fall, so it doesn't matter if it's a sexual preference, it doesn't matter if it's gluttony, it doesn't matter if it's gossip, doesn't matter if it's lying, doesn't matter what it is, what do we do with that? It's the same for somebody who's struggling with his transgender idea as it is for somebody with their sexual identities messed up. It's the same thing as it is for a glutton, same thing as it is for an adulterer, same thing as it is for somebody addicted to pornography. It's, it's the same. Here's what you do everybody's the same. We realize that we have walked away from the Imajo Day, and we go to the bloody base of a cross at Calvary. And we humbly go before the God who formed us, who jitsered, who worked us and breathed the Ruach Elohim in us, and we say, God, I have messed up this thing you created me to be. I have messed it up so bad. I have bought the lie. I have listened to the liar. And so, God, I take my proclivity, my preference, my messed up ways, and I bring them to the base of this bloody cross where Jesus died for all of my mess. And I'm leaving it at the base of this cross, and I'm covering it all in blood. It's grace forgiven. It is redeemed. It is washed away as far as the east is from the west. And God, when I stand up from this moment, I am going to get up knowing I am redeemed. I am washed, made new. I am a brand-new creature. I'm strapping on the armor of God, and I'm going to fight like there's no tomorrow against the enemy who's been lying to mankind since the garden in chapter 3. That's what he does, amen, amen, amen. And if you are so perfect right now that that means nothing to you, praise God that he's delivered you, but listen to me, the people around you, the people around you, the people you see, the people in your family, they're not so good as you. So if you're so good, you need to be praying for them like mad, crazy love. You need to be lifting them up and helping them find the place where they can be delivered and washed clean. Because the Bible says that when we come to Jesus, all old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. We can walk in newness, man. We've been made new, made new. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know today, no matter how good you think you might be or how bad you think you might be, God loves you right where you are. He loves you so much that he came to rescue you from your sinful condition. And he wants to make you brand new. He wants to wrap his big loving arms around you and say, hey, I got this. What Jesus did on the cross is a finished work. When he rose again from the grave, he rose so you can rise up from your grave. If you're here today and you don't know him, I want you to hear in your soul what God's speaking to you. He says, I love you, and I will save you right now from all of your sin. I will come into your life, fill you with my spirit, and seal you forevermore. But it's up to you. You have to come to a place where you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I don't have to look far in my past past to know it. But God, I believe you love me. I want Jesus to come into my life in this moment and save me. And so you say a prayer. You say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know you're a savior. I know you want to issue grace to me and forgiveness. I need your grace and forgiveness. Save me right now in this moment. Come into my life and make me new. Cast all of my sins of the past and present and future away. Let me be a child of yours in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you need to let the world know. You need to let the world know. Because secret Christianity is no real Christianity at all. You've got to be out of the closet in your faith. And so I'll be standing here in just a few minutes, and you can come and find me. Or after the service, you can find a deacon, one of our leaders, and we'll help you with that. And maybe you're here today, and you're already a Christian. Listen to me, church. It's time we get back to the imago Dei, the image of God in our life. Let him shine in your life. When people see you, let them see the God who created you. Okay? Okay? Okay?